Buffs Nation. What's going on? Welcome back into the Buffs Nation podcast. I'm Tyler Walgie. He is Jared All to my right. Jared, Pac-12 is back. We're playing football. We're back, baby. <laughs> uh, took a while. Took a little longer than we'd like, but yeah, we're and, back. And actually, we're not playing football. I don't know anyone in the world who would pay to see that. Oh, I you. don't know, Tyler. Me and you strapping throw, it up. Throw us out there in some D1 football. That could be a good... No, I'm not even talking us D1. I'm talking me and you playing like flag football. Like, would that be entertaining at all? Because obviously, if me and you played D1 football, we would get killed. It would That would be entertaining. That would be entertaining for anyone. But if we just played like flag football or like recreation football, that may be, may be the most boring event on TV know, of the year. I, uh, I played uh, in gym class quite a bit in high school, man. I, I, I think... <laughs> I was pretty good, pretty Go, good at going back to the, back in the day, the glory days, <laughs> as they call it. Um, so on today's show, we'll talk about the Pac-12 returning. It's going to be a fairly quick show today. We're not going to dive too deep into exactly what it's going to take for CU to win their schedule and make the the uh, Pac-12 uh, tournament or the the Pac-12 championship game. Now we will talk about what the season's going to look like, maybe what to expect from from uh, the Pac-12 this year. But the season's not starting until November sixth. So we've got a little bit of time here to let things marinate, let things simmer, as they say. But today we'll talk about the general return of the Pac-12, what it means for us, uh, how they got there, what the season's going to look like, and we may discuss briefly who's going to play quarterback for the Buffs. All that on today's show. Unfortunately, no producer, Ryan Smith, is out today with uh, coronavirus concerns. I, I think that's a HIPAA violation there, uh, uh, Tyler. <laughs> I think we're supposed to say that the undisclosed uh, is that, illness. Is that what, what, <laughs> is that like what's co- like what you're supposed to do these days? I don't know. That's what all is the colleges, nice? the universities are doing. They no, aren't, they're they aren't announcing. They're all terrified because if they do the wrong thing, they're going to be the scapegoat. We believe enough in our organization to know that uh, we're, we're strong. We're <laughs> exactly. resilient. <laughs> exactly. And if you may have COVID, get the heck out of here. So... He's out for at least a couple weeks, which for Buffs Nation only means one show because we're doing every other week. But stay tuned, whether it's Facebook or Twitter. Give us a follow on uh, Twitter at Buffs Podcast because, you know, there's going to be a moving schedule this next couple weeks. Since they don't play until November 6th, you know, our, our podcast schedule leading up to the season is going to be hit or miss. So stay tuned. We'll let you guys know what's coming up. But, Jared, let's get right into it. The Pac-12 is back. And the Pac-12, I said, like I said, returning on uh, November 6th. But before we get into what the season's going to look like, everything like that, there was a report that came out from Bruin Report Online. For those who can't put two and two together, uh, the UCLA Bruins is the Bruin Report Online. And it was a report uh, by Tracy Pearson. And in the report, I'll read a quote from the article. Quote, The meeting got a little bit disagreeable at times, but then eventually the university presidents and chancellors made their way to a a unanimous decision. According to one source, the initial vote was 7-5 to play out of 12 teams, 7-4, 5 against. The 5 against, UCLA, Stanford, Cal, Washington, and Colorado. That surprises me. It really does, Tyler. It surprises me as well, and we'll talk more, obviously, about what's going on in Colorado later on in the podcast, but I understand Stanford, Cal, Washington. They're way up there in the Pacific Northwest, a lot of hostile tension, a lot going on. It's clearly worse up there than it is in most other places in the country. Plus a lot of issues with the fires, the wildfires out in that, that neck of the woods as well. The fires are adding to it. You're exactly right. So I understand that. The fact that Colorado voted not to play... I don't love that. You know, 
that says to me several things. That says to me, of course, there were external circumstances, right? What's going on in the state? What's going on with the university? But that also says to me that they're just not hungry to get out there. I, I don't know that I can go there, Tyler, because I I have to, I want to take a step back. I think we're all, as fans, we're all very excited about the Pac-12 yeah, coming back. Yeah. But I have two major, major issues with how the Pac-12 has handled this, Okay. First and foremost, the, the, going back to what? Beginning of August when they announced that they were shutting the season down, it was all about the health and safety of the players. And now you look at them bringing this back, rushing back to a season, tells me that was absolute and complete BS. There was never any thought about the health and safety of our players. It had to do with the pushback, yeah. the media, the potential lawsuits and things like that that were going to come from forcing amateur athletes out there. Now, all of a sudden, you're the odd man out not playing, and it's like, oh, uh, yeah, because of the rapid testing, we feel better about this. Tyler, you and I grew up playing football, as we just talked about, and even going back to being in a 10-year-old football you had two to three months of training right. camp ramp up. Right. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to try to rush this back in in less than four <laughs> weeks. Yeah. I, I, you it's can the... see, look, take a look at the NFL. You're seeing it already. The NFL cut out their preseason. They shortened their training camp period. Already, you're seeing there's been dozens of key big-time players and, and, and anyone across the board within the NFL, way more than you've ever seen these serious injuries in the past. I guarantee you, I promise, you rush back to a season like this, guys will not be in football shape. They're going to have injuries. This will affect people's careers, yeah. their ability to go in the NFL. So I don't have a problem with somebody pushing back on, whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me a period of time we normally take three to six months getting our guys ready to play, and now you're telling me to do it in a month? Most people don't realize this in the media and in the general public. Pac-12 has not been practicing. I mean, they have, but there has been... Not like the other conferences. There has been... the. the if, I'm not, I don't have it exactly in front of me, but it's something along the lines of 12 hours. This is the Pac-12, what they've been allowing uh, teams to do. 12 hours on field, no full contact, no full pads, Individual position groups only. You cannot get on the field for seven on seven, for eleven That's on eleven. Crazy. That is insane well, to think all, these guys are going to be ready to play in November. It's arbitrary. The rules they came up with. Oh, you can only yeah. have this many people. Yeah, I can have four or five guys in a group right next to each other, but eleven <laughs> guys spread across the field can't do it. It makes can't no sense, it. right? And it's funny, like you said, the whole student protecting the students. At what point, as college football fans, are we just going to get sick of this? Because that's always their excuse, whether it's paying the players. Well, we're protecting the players from themselves. It's like, get out of here. You want more of that money. You don't want them to have any of it. And then for this, it was easy back when it started to say, we're protecting the players. Coronavirus. Okay. And now this comes out and they say, hey, we're giving them over a month. Why? To protect the players. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, that can't always be the reason you're doing everything, especially when you keep changing your mind all the time. That's crazy. All right. Um, where were we? Colorado. Oh, I want to tell you why this is kind of understandable that Colorado may have been one of those universities voting no. Uh, CU on campus is one of the worst colleges in, in not just the Pac-12, but the country, right? Students have been coming back, getting other students sick, and it's actually spreading throughout the entire town of Boulder. Colorado is unable to practice for uh, at least two weeks because the county of Boulder on Thursday, just this previous Thursday, just hours before the uh, president's met for the Pac-12, Boulder issued a prohibition on gatherings amongst university students between 18 and 22 years old. Things have gotten bad. Students on campus, and this is the thing. I believe that with the coronavirus, 
it's not like the virus has like gotten easier to deal with, right? What's happened is so long has gone on that you know young people are like, hey, we've been dealing with this for too long. I'm getting back to normal. You know, it's just like they don't understand the big picture, and that's why it's so big on college campuses. And unfortunately, Jared, it's not just students who are doing this. We have mutual friends. We're 30 yes. years old now. It's not like 30 is like old and wise, but. I would have hoped that a lot of our friends would get over that hump of, you know, and we've got a couple mutual friends. One of them, and we're not going to name names on here. He named names. <laughs> <laughs> but one of them who lives in Arizona, he's been flying all over the country this whole time. I'm like, dude, you're keeping the airports in business here. And another one of our friends who lives in San Diego. He's going to Vegas in a few weeks or in a week or so. Why? Because it's his birthday. I'm just like... <sighs> I thought this only existed on college campuses. <laughs> no, no, and uh, honestly, Tyler, I feel like it gets worse the older people get. It's, it's like they don't, and and uh, well, half and that's, half that's where these kids are getting it from is their parents. Okay, I don't know about that. Otherwise, why isn't it spreading like it is on college campuses everywhere else in the country? Because people don't have friends after the age of thirty. Well, and, and maybe that's really it. And, 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 and look, maybe that is it. It's easier for older people to stay inside, things like that. But there's a certain responsibility that comes into it, and I love the video. Uh, the spring breakers. Did you see that? It was the video was from like a month or two ago, and there's a bunch of kids out on spring break. Have you seen this? Uh, no, I don't think I have. I, I I might have. Who knows? I I, I try to tune out a lot of this stuff these days. It, it it gets to be to a point where it's just depressing. It's just downright depressing. Every every social media outlet you go on, it's all you get. At least we finally have football back on to at least drown it out on my feed. All right. So since Ryan's not here today, no video oh, I component get corona, here. I get corona. No uh, no video. Oh. Co- <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, no video. <laughs> component here but yeah this is just going to be audio (laughs) for uh, the entire audience but these were uh some uh interviews that were done in uh, miami these kids on spring break it's like dude do we really have to celebrate the birth and another one of our buddies again in arizona he's flying back to colorado Next yeah. week and guilt you know all of us so that we <laughs> go golf with him. No, I don't get your coronavirus away from me. But do you want to know why he's coming back in town? another birthday it's his grandma's 86th birthday he's like you really think i'm gonna miss my grandma's 86th birthday i'm like dude you should you're putting her in jeopardy you should absolutely you should <laughs> yes. zoom call bro answer, zoom call right, the answer is yes you should be missing it but anyway uh this is kind of what uh, all those uh kids remind me of if i get corona i get corona at the end of the day i'm not gonna let it stop me from partying you know i've been waiting we've been waiting for miami spring break for a while about two months we've had this trip planned two months two, three that's months. a long time, time. time. We, we've been planning this for a whole two three months we're not gonna not days. days we're not knocking a party it's really messing up with my spring break what is there to do here other than go to the bars or the beach and they're closing all of it? It's really messing me. I think they're blowing it way out of proportion. Way out it's of doing proportion. This was March, by the way, guys. This was March. Yeah. This virus ain't that serious. It's serious. It's more serious things out there like hunger and poverty. We need <laughs> oh to address that. By the way, according to the CDC, the coronavirus will be the third leading cause of death this year in the United States behind cancer and... Uh, um, I think cigarettes or something like that. It's, it was heart, a big heart, two. Heart disease, heart disease something maybe like something. Yeah. I believe it was proud disease. Yeah, we're, anyway. we, we follow science, guys. <laughs> yeah, but my point is, this is a problem. And it's driving me crazy that people can't be responsible, stay inside for a little bit, and, and contain this. Now, a, a buddy of mine, his sister goes to the Miami, uh, Miami of Ohio. Um, different Miami from the video there. But apparently what was happening is it got so bad there, like every other college campus, they were telling their friends... Hey, if you have symptoms, don't report it, right? Just try and stay in, get sick, because otherwise, they're going to shut us down. We're not going to be able to party. 
We all remember being 21, 22, if being I on were campus. In co- if I were still in college, I probably would be one of these people saying, I would be on the video. Who cares? I used to be an idiot. But my point is, can't we grow past that? You know, like at well, what point? And, and at what point does our adult, you know, generations put their stinking foot down? And this is, I, <laughs> I guess, know, what you're getting dude. with Boulder saying, no, enough. Well, you guys are going to deal with this. Because eventually it, it's going to come back. Like this whole second wave, we're at like the 55th wave right now because it keeps coming back in spurts because people are getting sick of it. They don't want to avoid it, right? They, well, who cares? It's been so long. Or they're just disregarding it completely. And what I think we're seeing in Boulder. No one's able to get together. Colorado now not able to practice for an additional two weeks, okay? So the fact that Colorado voted not to play, you go, oh, okay, well, things make sense because it's so bad in Boulder because all these students have to go party, you know? So that drives me crazy a little bit. The students on the campus drives me crazy all across the country. It's like, you know, they're kids being kids. Like I said, I'd probably do it back then too, but that doesn't mean that their irresponsibility has to just be fine. Yeah, and it's like we also were excuse. not de- dealing with a pandemic in the yeah, middle of exactly. our college years. So. so it's it's easy to look back and say, ah, yeah, I was that kid when I was that age. But I, I just think a lot of it has to do with the way you know, a good portion of our country, adult or youth, has just blown this off and yeah. just disregarded it. And I think it sends that message to kids in that age it, to think my, they're empowered to My favorite to answer, I'm young. It's not going to do anything to me, yeah. you know? I, I, it's like, dude, what if you pass somebody in the airport? Yeah, what have, if, have we gotten to a point where we just don't care about our fellow man honestly, at all? The answer is yes, but th- what's going to happen is that sounds so cliche to where people are going to, oh yeah, Jared, don't care about fellow man, but it's like, no, that's actually what's happening here. Like, people don't give, and we don't swear on this show, it's family show, people don't give a darn about anyone else out there, Jared, because actions speak louder than words, right? And when you get people saying, oh, yeah, you got to be careful, you got to protect people, it's like the selfish people that I know are the ones traveling, right? That's pretty much how it's going. And it's not about you, these students. It's not about you getting sick. It's about the community of Boulder getting sick. There's other older people in Boulder. Maybe one of your friends is going to go to a family reunion and their grandma's going to be there. You don't know anyone else's situation, right? So to, to assume that everything's safe instead of assume... Let's stay away because they may be going to see some old person soon. That, to me, is what drives me so crazy with all this. But let's move on from this. Obviously, these these college students are going to do what they're going to do. It's probably not going to stop anytime soon. They're probably getting hammered as we record at like 9.30 in the morning <laughs> on a Sunday up there anyway. In Boulder, I wish I so. was. I wish I was. And you know what? They're probably not going to be... If I were a student and they mandated this, I'd say... What are they going to do? Come find us? Hey, but you want to come over and play Xbox? It's going to be interesting to see how this goes because yeah. obviously it's one thing on campus. It's easy enough to regulate that. But most of the housing in Boulder, if you guys aren't familiar with it, is not on campus. Right. Most people live exactly. in the town of Boulder off campus. So, again, how do you patrol dozens and dozens of houses with the limited police force that you have available for that. It's just, it's only so much you can control. And I think these kids are going to continue to push it and it's going to continue to cause issues. So you mentioned some of the biggest factors in the Pac-12 getting back on the field. There were two main factors. The first, obviously pressure. You just mentioned that. The second though was rapid testing. Apparently testing has gotten better. That's why they're saying it's better. And again, it's all about the student safety. So those are the two main reasons why they're coming back. Now let's talk about how the regular season will be scheduled because obviously time's running down. A lot of people are asking, will the Pac-12 be able to compete for a national championship? So let's get to that right now. Every team in the Pac-12 will play seven games. 
Okay? Five games with their in-division opponents. One game will be a crossover. That gets you to six. Then the two best teams in their seventh game will play the Pac-12 championship. The remaining teams in the Pac-12 will all play one another as a pseudo-bowl game. So CU will play someone from the North if they don't win the South as their seventh game and their bowl game this season. What do you think of the schedule? I love this whole week seven, Champions Week, whatever. I, I think the Big Ten was calling it Champions Week. I don't know what the Pac-12 is referring to. As. I think that's great. I think this is an idea that should be thought about being kept on beyond this because that's one of those things where you see year after year, whether it's uh, you know a team trying to become bowl eligible or you, you when you're at the top trying to get into the playoff and you're the odd man looking in in the conference. I think it's awesome. I think it, it adds good football. It adds competitive football. You're getting number ones versus is number ones, number twos, number twos. I think that's a great idea in, yeah. of, in and of itself. Now, the season as a whole, you have seven weeks from November 6th till the day after their last game, which I think is like the 19th of yeah, December, it would be something the like third that. week in December. Basically, the next day is when the college football playoff is announced. Well, and that's that gives game. you zero leeway. Right. One, one missed game, one delay, one anything goes on, you're just, you're putting yourself up against it. It almost feels like it's inevitable that at least one, if not more, of these teams will not finish a full season. Well, even so, or, so first of all, it, that sounds like the Pac-12 is already like comfortable pulling the plug. Uh, I think it was Oregon's president, Michael Schill. He said, we're moving forward now, but we're not moving forward with our eyes shut. If we get spikes that are not sustainable, we will stop playing. It's like, that's not what I want to hear. Now, that's probably the right thing to say. He's the president of a major university. I get it. But what I want to hear is... We're going to do everything we can to make this season happen unless the worst-case scenario presents itself to us, right? They're saying, yeah, if something comes up, we'll pull the plug. This is not what you're hearing from the ACC, from the SEC. And I, you know the saying with the SEC, which I always kind of rolled my eyes at? It just means more, you know? That's the SEC's saying. You're kind of seeing that come to fruition. It's, it's being it's like proven. The Pac-12 doesn't really seem like they care much about football, and I've thought about this for a while, that... You know, I wouldn't mind if CU went back to the Big 12. You know, love the it. Big 12 cares more about football, cares more about, you know, the Pac-12. <sighs> I got to watch Family Show, but they've got, I can't even say that phrase. The Pac-12 is so lost in their own nonsense. Let's say that, okay? That it seems to me they care more about Stanford academics and Washington academics and, you know, cross country than they do about football. And it's like... I understand wanting to be inclusive, wanting to give everyone on campus a fair shake, and well, let's not let's not forget about them. But at the same time, you can't ignore where the money's coming in from. And some schools like USC, you know, both Arizona schools, they they get it. It seems like right, but there's some colleges within the uh, the, the Pac-12 that it just doesn't seem like football's the main thing. Now, I want to get back to this report earlier I talked about with the seven-five vote because one of the other things that came up in that was that Utah and USC threatened to leave the conference. Now, there were some disputes. After this report came out on BruinReport.com, there were apparently multiple sources in a written statement to Ute Zone, which is a Utah athletics uh, uh, paper, and they, they disputed that. But I'm wondering where that came from. You know, people don't when generally... When there's smoke, there's fire, right? Exactly. People generally just don't make stuff up. You know, I've always said this. I've, I've learned this, actually. In the media, if something gets leaked... 
it's because somebody wants it leaked, right? If you hear that Tom Brady's getting traded, generally, that's coming from someone who wants the public to know Tom Brady's being traded. You know? Even if it is a bluff, it's a it has a purpose to it. Exactly, exactly. That may not mean he's being traded, but that means someone out there said this, let's get behind it. And one source, at least one source, said that USC and Utah were threatening to leave for the Big 12. Now, again, they came out afterwards, said that's ridiculous, that would never happen. I think that's just cleaning up, saving face, because if you did threaten to leave the conference, that's a major, major thing that's tough to come back to. And I'm sure there's some legal things involved in that, that the Pac-12 could probably come after them for sorts of things like that, if, if that came out but to again, be true. But again, my point why we're talking about this is the sense of urgency that I'm getting now from the Pac-12. And I love the sense of urgency from Utah-USC. I would have loved if CU were involved in that conversation threatening to leave the Pac-12 because it's not because of my feelings about the Pac-12. It's because that shows they want to get out there and know how important it is. Utah-USC allegedly threatening to leave the Pac-12. I like that. I like that that confidence that no we're getting this done when michael shill comes out from oregon and says yeah we're moving forward now but if anything gets bad we'll pull the plug i don't like that one bit so you know it's all everyone's uh, opinion what you think should be going on but i look across the country and i see stadiums at 20 percent capacity in other states you know and the pac-12 did say no people in attendance for any games. I'm okay with that, Jared. Yeah, that right? doesn't bother we're me. We're not, I feel like it allows neither you of to us, control some more. We're not unreasonable here, man. You know, I love CU. Uh, I, I, I love, you know, college football, but we're not going to be unreasonable with this. It's very fair to say, look, you can't go to the games. Fine. I love going to CU games, but doing things the right way means doing things the right way. It's not pulling strings behind the scenes and then saying last second, it's all about the student athletes. That just doesn't sit with me. And, uh, and I think if we're being honest with ourselves, you look at, I mean, CU's been in the Pac-12, what, for about 10 years now, coming up on 10 years, and yeah. it's been a progressive trend. This is not new. This has been a progressive trend since the very first year that CU started in the Pac-12, that there has been a bigger and bigger gap created between the Pac-12 and the other Power 5 conferences. And if you didn't believe it before, you absolutely better believe it now. You just look at how the Pac-12 mishandled every step along the way. They're copycatting. They're the, they're the little brother of the Big Ten in this whole scenario. Oh, oh, you guys aren't going to play? Okay, we won't play either. Oh, you're, you're playing now? All right, I guess we, we will play too. Takes them two weeks longer to get back in there. They put themselves in a scenario where they let, – let's just be honest with you guys – they're not competing for a college football playoff right now. I mean, yeah, you you go and have a team that goes undefeated through the Pac-12, sure, you're going to be in the light. <laughs> there are some, some games that came up this week, some teams losing that may open the door for a Pac-12 right. team. But the rest of the country is sitting back and laughing at us right now. And as a Pac-12 fan, as a CU Bus fan, I'm embarrassed to see how they've handled this, how they're going forward. And basically, they've just proven to everyone across the country they don't belong in the same conversation right. as everyone right. else. Right, and, and you're right. They've proven it, right? Action and words they've proven with their actions the last couple weeks last couple months even that they don't belong in the same sort of power five they're on a mountain west level it's now, bad man. It's, it's it's embarrassing it's I, gotten I, bad the fact that you know the pac-12 hasn't had many representatives in the final four anyway you know that this is sort of the nail in the coffin i think the cu should seriously look at getting out of the conference after all this blows over and all this passes uh getting out of the pac-12 i think would be a very very good thing but the way they're spinning it because the Pac-12, being the Pac-12, Larry Scott, oh, we didn't do anything wrong. Don't rule, this is from the Pac-12, don't rule out the Pac-12, even with a seven-game schedule, right? 
uh, as you said, the college ball uh, playoff committee, they make their decision the first day, the one day after the Pac-12 season ends. And they haven't made the rules yet. So this is still very much up in the air. We don't know what it's going to be. Now, there have been certain things floated out. I think it was uh, the USA Today. Um, They suggested an automatic bid from every conference because that would be the most fair in a year like this. So sick of hearing most fair. Well, (laughs) but I don't even know if it would be the most fair because at that point, all the teams in the SEC would have either been playing for a month longer than the Pac-12 or they would have had a lot of downtime. So there is no one fair solution, but as a Pac-12 fan, as a CU fan, I would say that I wouldn't be that upset if they didn't let the Pac-12 in because of how... I wouldn't even be that upset if they didn't let the Pac-12 and Big Ten in. Now, the Big Ten's getting things going a little faster, but in terms of being fair and the sake of the rules and all that, you know, I I, I guess I get it. I I certainly want a Pac-12 to have a chance because, look, if CU goes undefeated, there's like a 5% chance of that happening, but if they do go undefeated... I don't want to think in the back of my mind, great, we still don't have a chance, you know? And see, and I think as far as we want to talk fair, you know, quote-unquote fair, um, with you know, allowing who you allow and who you don't, I think you leave it open. I don't think you do. These these have automatic bids or anything like that. I, I look at it as, absolutely, you have a chance. See who goes 7-0 and in the Pac-12, they absolutely should have a chance to get into the college football playoff. But a 7-0 and team, how how that is weighed versus a nine and one team, I think that needs to be factored in. Uh, let's use Oklahoma as an example. They lost a game, big loss, big loss. But week two of their season, week three, whatever it is of their season, and okay, so if that team then with a by the way a freshman quarterback with a, a, only a handful of snaps under his belt prior to that, they go on a on a run the rest of the season. They don't lose another game. They look great the rest of the year. Can you truly argue? That a seven-win Pac-12 team, seven and zero Pac-12 team, is truly a better representation of the no, best team in no. college football. You can't, but that would be the argument. Hey, look, we had a limited schedule. We played our you know division opponents. We're seven and zero. We're a Power Five team. Why would we not be allowed in? You know. And here's the other thing that works in the Pac-12's favor is the way that human beings work. By time we get to mid-December. The news cycle is short these days. What do they say the news cycle is? It's under 24 hours now. You know, something new comes out, something new comes out. So the way that people just work in general, I feel like they may feel like, hey, we've been playing football. Everyone's fine. People have forgotten by Yeah, people have forgotten. So therefore, the Pac-12 may, given the circumstances, have an easier way in. But right now, in the end of October, looking at that, or the end of September. September... don't, don't you be jumping uh, ahead. That's a lot of good football coming up in October, okay? At the end of uh, September, right now it's not looking great, but there's going to be so much of changes, and that's the main thing I want to put out there is, you know, even though we just established we're going to play football this year, there's a, it's very fluid, and there's a moving situation. So They haven't even come out with any sort of schedules yet, to my knowledge. Next week, next they'll come week, out with okay. their first schedule. So we'll put the schedule on all of our social media accounts. Give us a follow on Twitter at Buffs Podcast. Give us a follow on uh, Facebook as well. Just search Buffs Nation Podcast. 
And Jared, I mean, I'm just I'm excited the Pac-12's back. I know today it was a little bit up, a little bit down. There's some things that we can't be thrilled about. Overall, though, I'm excited. CU's playing football, man. And I know, and I, I didn't get I, for all everyone out there. I didn't get that excitement. Now I am very excited am about too. the season start. I just needed to get some of that <laughs> off my chest. I'm walking around Colorado, and you just listening to everyone just head in the sand, no thought know, process. Just yes, football's back. There's a lot that was not thought about, not presented out to the the world and to to our country, and we felt like we needed to address some of that. But but deep down. We are CU Buffs fans at heart. We could not be happier to see them back on the field. I, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I've been in like a state of depression ever since I realized that CU wasn't playing. And it's just, it gives you that bump back up. It's, it's something that we need in our society right now is something to look forward to. And now we have that. There is a light at the end of the tunnel that we can see now. I agree, man. Like, that's what it's all about. CU football is why we do this podcast. It, obviously, our favorite, my favorite team in sports. I know they're up there with you. Maybe the Broncos. Nah, you know, no, 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 don't give me that. Don't CU even put them in the same category. is my favorite team in sports. And when I heard that CU, well, just a quick diversion. I've, I've always said this back since my, my radio days, that if the Avs or the Nuggets or the Broncos win a championship, I would celebrate. I would be the first one outside. You know, I may even riot a little bit, right? I'd get yelled at from local business owners. Get out of here. What are you so excited for? I would go crazy. If CU won the national championship again, I would cry like a toddler in front of my TV for hours. I would just sit there and weep. Like, that's the difference. I love the buffs. The buffs mean everything to me. And when I heard CU's playing again this year... I was overcome with excitement. I don't care if we can't go to the games. I don't care if they have a limited home schedule, limited schedule in general. I'm excited. See who's playing football. We're going to get to settle questions. Quarterback battle. What's this new coaching staff like? All of which we're going to talk about the next few weeks leading up to the season. But Jared, the fact that CU's playing and the fact that the buffs are back has me so excited. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm ready for the season to start, man. I'm very ready. I, I know. And all of a sudden, all the gears start spinning on your position battles. Yep, What's yep. this team going to look like? Well, let, let's give a quick preview. Yeah. I mean, who do you think right now would start a quarterback? Tyler Lytle. You've got the, the, the guy who's been there for his entire career. I think he's a junior now. He's been with CU for years. He knows what used to be the offense and that could lead to why Brendan Lewis could get some time. So it's either Tyler Lytle or Brendan Lewis. Brendan Lewis, the freshman, no time yet in, in the NCAA with limited practice you know, time. I would start to say, you know, they may lean towards Lytle, but I believe what I'm going to look for. I'm going to look for some reports coming out of cubuffs.com, you know, different outlets to cover them every day because the, the media is going to be really uh, small for these things. But certain guys like Neil Welk, who do a good job reporting Brian, Brian Howell for a buff zone, you know, these guys do a good job reporting on the buff. So what we should look for in the next few weeks, after, once they can start practicing again, obviously, the quarterback battle, who's looking better? Does Brendan Lewis look comfortable? Is he uh, adapting well with this new playbook? Is he understanding the new playbook? Because my opinion is, if you have a 50-50 shot, it could either be Lytle or Brennan Lewis. You go with Brennan Lewis because he's younger in a weird year like this. And they still don't know exactly what's going to happen with uh, eligibility because they came out and said, everyone's going to have a free year of eligibility. That still may be the case. If that is the case, Jared, Brennan Lewis is, is I think, the front runner as long as he is understanding things and doesn't look too overwhelmed. And, and the other aspect is is how are redshirt rules going to be changed? Is that going to be modified at all? You know, they changed the rule a couple years back to allow for four games. Well, if you can play four games out of seven, 
man, you're, you're able to play a majority of the season exactly. and still be a red shirt. And again, I don't know with the eligibility and how all that's going to work. That still remains to be seen. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that some more definitive information comes out and before our next show, and maybe we have a better idea of that. But, but you just touched on a little bit as far as the, the couple of things that particular at quarterback, but any, any freshman coming in, in my mind, there's two main hurdles that a freshman quarterback has to overcome. The playbook. The playbook is so much more intricate and complicated than what they ever saw in high school. Most of these guys were never in a situation where you have audibles or anything like that that, that are being made at the line. So that, I would say, if anything, compared to a normal season, Brendan Lewis should be ahead of schedule with that. Why? They've right. spent an extra three to six months diving through that playbook, getting to know the playbook. The other one is the speed of the game. And that's where I, I do think he's at a major disadvantage because he will not get a chance to do any scrimmaging, any live playing, never will be on the field against another team or against a first unit until the first day he steps on the field. I, I just think that might be too much of a hurdle for a freshman quarterback to overcome in, what, a three- or four-week right. span exactly. to prove that he is head and shoulders above Tyler Idle. I think the smart play is to go in with Tyler Lytle. I still think you you keep a package of plays each game that Brandon Lewis gets on the field. Start uh, to I get that comfortable. That. You know what, Tyler? I, I get it. And, and, and CU fans, you guys are going to hate me right here, but maybe look at this season, a shortened season. Don't say it. Don't say it. As an intro to oh what this God. is going to be. And I'm not saying you can't be successful in that. But let's see. We don't know. I don't even know that this coaching staff knows exactly what this team is going to look like and what it needs yeah, to look like. but you don't use this season as some sort of warm-up. If you've got it, go play, man. If they're going to let you play, you do the best you can. But if you don't feel like Brendan Lewis is ready now, you still get him on the field so that you know this time next year he is 100% If you're 100% doing that, ready. then you start him. You don't put him in packages where you put him out there. And I think that throws stuff off. I mean, I think that when an offensive lineman hears a quarterback call, they get the cadence. That's the guy running the running the show. When you're bringing in quarterbacks, left and right, it's going to be him on third down. Him. That, to me, is not enough continuity for an offense. It's CU. It's not, not the best offense in the country. They need but, continuity. But it, 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 you want to talk about continuity, it keeps the defense from knowing what you're throwing at them as well. Yeah. It keeps them guessing. They aren't, they aren't sure Look, what they're going to they get. If they did that, I, I mean, I'm just not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of the three-quarterback system. Pick a guy, go with them, and what I don't want to see is flip-flopping. Uh, it's a little to start the year, but once he gets bad, we're yanking him. No, take a guy, go with him. I think if you're not confident in Brendan Lewis's ability to step in day one and be the guy moving forward, if you think there's any chance that he's not going to perform well at the start, you start with Lytle, and you can always make that change. It's hard to go backwards on that. If you go with Brendan Lewis, then you have to make a change because, you know what, he just wasn't quite ready for this moment. Then you go back to Tyler Lytle. I think that hurts his ability in the future to become your leader of your team. I do too. And uh, look, we're going to talk about this and many more things through the next couple of weeks. Stay tuned. As I said, Twitter, Facebook, we'll let you guys know when the next shows are going to be, what the schedule looks like, when some of these player rules come out. And uh, Jared, I'm just ready, man. I'm excited. Season's happening, so get ready. Let's get back to it, boys. Give him a follow on Twitter at Jared All. Give me a follow at Tyler Walgie. Let's go Buffs, and we'll talk to you next time on the Buffs Nation Podcast.